All right. Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of The Jay Davis Show. Uh, we're super excited to have Adam Haber uh, with us today. Welcome to the show, Adam. Well, thank you, Jay. I'm happy to be here remotely, about 1,500 miles from you, but I'd, I'd rather be out in Utah skiing. It's, it's a great year for skiing. If you haven't made it out, you should. I hear you. I hear you. We, uh, we've had a lot of people say it's the best year in probably 40 years. So now you're, now you're teasing uh, me. Yeah. You got to get out here. So, well, thanks again for coming. Uh, would love to start, uh, if you want to just kind of give the listeners in the audience, give us a, a, a background on your career. How'd you get to where you are today? Oh, it's a circuitous route. I've always been an entrepreneur. I mean, in high school, I would sell uh, pretzels and sodas at Little League games uh, to make a few extra bucks on the side. Door-to-door sales in, in cable TV in its infancy. Um, I started out uh, on Wall Street. I was a commodity derivatives trader for many, many years, yelling and screaming in the pits like in the movie Trading Places. And somehow I became a conduit for business plans. And I would become <laughs> a, a counselor to everybody on the trading floor. And I would see all the wackiest possible deals you had out there. And I loved them. I think everybody who has a dollar and a dream and wants to put their skin in the game and work hard uh, can create some pretty cool stuff. But uh, from from finance and Wall Street, I branched into commercial real estate. I'm a principal in a commercial real estate firm in the Pacific Northwest called SKB. I've owned and operated a few restaurants in New York, one called Aldea that had a Michelin star. I made a small fortune, but I started with a large fortune in that one. It was a tough business. And I'm an avid investor in uh, lots of small startups, uh, angel investor, um, uh, seed rounds. I love investing in people, uh, and I love entrepreneurship, and that's what led me to my current business, Trellis. Yeah, love it. Uh, I think we are kindred spirits in, in many, many ways. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, tell us more about Trellis. Uh, what do you guys do? Some of the services you offer? How'd you get it going? So uh, I tried foolishly to run for office a couple of times, and then I ended up being head of economic development for the largest town in America called Hempstead. Uh, which is about 800,000 people. And every time I would go to uh, a business function or a political function, everybody would say, shop local, shop local. But Amazon was eating everybody's lunch. Nobody was helping the little guy and gal who were main street businesses that were struggling. And I did some research and there was nobody helping out your local hardware store, your local bake shop, your local uh, toy store, candy, uh, any one of 60 categories that we carry now um, to help them with logistics and provide them with the infrastructure they needed to sell online and to make them competitive with Amazon and big e-commerce. Uh, we would never have Home Depot on our, on our web, on our platform, but we'd have any number of an individual hardware store, whether it's a franchisee or an individual hardware store like Ace. Um, but if you looked at our website, buytrellis.com, we have 338 merchant partners and counting in 60 plus categories. And the model of our business is to help the small business owner compete on a level playing field by getting the goods you want uh, in a couple hours to your home. Love it. Uh, I don't know if you saw recently, there was this great article going around about how Barnes and Noble turned around. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you see? Yeah. I mean, it's essentially that they just started uh, doing what all the great local bookstores do, which is care yeah, about books. Yeah. They destroyed the local bookstore and then Amazon destroyed Barnes and Noble and then on life support came back from the dead and became the local bookstore again. I mean, there's maybe two or three local bookstores within a 20 mile radius of my home, uh, other than a Barnes and Noble. Uh, and, uh, 
they were smart enough to figure out that they had to cater to the individual and make it a place that people wanted to come that was comfortable. And it's, a, they're good stores. Yeah, no, I love it. I was, I think that's what I loved about when I saw Trellis and uh, was doing some research. I think we've all had that local store that you go to and they have just an amazing person who runs it. Uh, there's a toy shop here in, here in Utah that has just things I've never seen anywhere else. They have whoever the buyer or the store owner is, is just really passionate. And they find they have all the best board games. They have all the best game, tabletop games, cool little toys that you've, I've never seen anywhere. Uh, they're kind of always at the front edge of the, the trends. And I think that kind of tells exactly that story of what you guys are trying to accomplish. I mean, that's how the business really started uh, when I had small kids and I used to work downtown in the city. It was about an hour and 15, hour and 20 commute each way. And I was dead tired after a day of work. And my wife said, uh, you know, your daughter Stephanie has a birthday party at six o'clock. I need you to go to the mall and get a gift. I'm like, why can't I just push a button and have it at my doorstep? <laughs> I don't want to spend an hour to go to the mall. My time's worth more than, you know, the $10 I pay in a delivery fee uh, after commuting like that. And lo and behold, one of the first people we signed up was a local cool toy store like the one you're talking about called Funky Monkey. It's in Greenvale, New York on Long Island. They don't even have a website, but they're very yeah. uh, uh, cool. They take orders over the phone. And, and most small business owners have uh, been around for a while. They have an AOL email. They don't have a website. I mean, unless you're under 35, that's how you want to operate. You don't want to change. If you don't change, you're going to die. And Trellis is helping yeah. those business owners and more adapt so they can compete. And, and Funky Monkey worships the ground we walk on. Uh, it's nice being loved when you walk into a store and share and people see you and know who you are. And that's the whole model, helping the small business meet their customers so they don't go to online, excuse me, and purchase a, a toy from uh, a nameless big box store or Amazon. Yeah, I love it. So where'd that, that idea came, come from? I, I think a lot of our show and, and a lot of the people we, uh, we have listened are always interested in that entrepreneurial innovation process. Where, was that that day uh, you had this, you know, your wife called and said, go get that toy. And, and did it start there or did it take time to develop? What, what was that process like for you over time? It's actually a pretty funny story because I have two co-partners, uh, Brian Berkery, who's in charge of uh, marketing and driver, the driver network, and Jared Jensen, who's really the brains of the operation. He's the CTO. And when I was working as head of economic development, because I thought I could fix government because I had a business background, and it's the most miserable. Let me deter anybody here who's thinking about running for government. You want to shoot yourself after the end. You know, nobody cares. Everybody <laughs> wants to just go, to, go to get their picture taken. Nothing gets done. And I thought, hey, why can't we take this idea that we had? And, uh, and, and I went to Hofstra, which is a major university on Long Island. I went to Stony Brook. I said, you guys code this, and we'll do a partnership between the town and the, the uh, university, and we'll launch it. And the university's like, I can't figure this out. It's too complicated. There's too much tech. And my partner, Brian, had just answered a proposal where the town dragged its feet and made him miserable. And I felt so bad. I took him out for lunch. And said, I'm so sorry that you're, we wasted your time. And, he, and we got to know each other. And he said, well, what are you working on? And I told him about this idea. And he goes, oh, I can figure that out. And he brought JR in. And that's how the business was born. We launched with a beta. I went door to door <laughs> for six months, figured it out. And that's how it got started. Uh, you know, three enterprising guys trying to figure out a problem that needs to be solved. I love it. 
man, that's it's just just getting going, starting telling people the idea. It's amazing what yeah, that does. Literally door to door, getting feedback, uh, getting customers' pain points, finding out if there's a need, uh, and and providing a service at a fraction of the cost. If you have your own driver, by the time you're done paying for minimum wage, car insurance, disability, uh, workers' comp, uh, everything, it's about sixty grand a year. Uh, we could provide better service, full coverage, seven days a week. We have tech that allows you to do up to 49 deliveries routed at once. Um, we're a tech company with a platform that helps small businesses compete. And we do it at about the thir- a third the cost that somebody could do it themselves. And we do it more efficiently so they don't have to work harder. They work smarter. So that's really yeah. the, the secret sauce. I love it. Uh, this is actually something I love talking about, on, especially on LinkedIn, because uh, I think every entrepreneur has people constantly asking them uh, what to do. And one of the things I'm, or, you know, kind of how to get an idea going, get started. And one of the things I love talking about is just get it out there. Uh, You know, too many people spend way too much time in their own head. They don't go talk to people. Are there any tricks or things you've learned? Uh, It may just be second nature at this point, but getting out and talking to people about, do you feel this pain? Is this something you would pay for? What What are some things you've learned over the years to help you with that? Uh, when you're selling something new, I mean, people get sold all the time. It's so easy now to send an email to to have a cold solicitation over the phone. You everybody gets spammed. Yeah. You can get things as a fax. You, people come into your store. You've got to connect very quickly with the person you're speaking with. It's not about you. It's about them. Nobody cares about you. They care about keeping their doors open, feeding their families, and running their business. And if you're able to connect quickly and share how you're going to help them grow their business, then they're open to listening. And then once you get a couple people in a certain community, they'll tell their friends, and then, you know, it blossoms. We, we had a hard time signing up our first florist. Now we have 50. We had a hard time signing up our first bakery and our first chocolate company. Now we have 25. Same thing with toy stores. Same thing with a variety of, of verticals that, People don't like being the first one, but they like being the second one and when everybody else tests the waters. And and that's how you build a business, one person at a time. Yeah. Well, and I, I think also what is so interesting about Trellis is it's a top priority. I mean, when you go in and say, I can improve your business by a you know, a fraction of a percent versus do you want to make way more money? <laughs> do you want to be work that's hard? Uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that also helps. I, I think that honing in on those ideas that are painful for those people, and that's definitely one of them. They People, I'm sure, feel like they're getting left behind. Amazon's taking their business. It's, it, Amazon is crushing them, and, and, and they don't care. And people like to save a buck, but then when you have a downtown that has no independent retailers and the stores are empty, then your home values go down. And nobody wants to live there. When you have a thriving downtown with independent retailers, not a soulless like dollar store, Target, Walmart, you know, uh, Wendy's, not that those are bad businesses, but they don't really bring character out in a small town. But when you have a local hardware store where everybody knows your name and chocolate shop, your toy store, uh, your local pet store, we don't do Petco, but we have several small independent pet stores. There's something about that. And when you can connect with the customer, they like it. And then when you can get them the things they want when they need them quicker, now you're competitive. And that's the whole model. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what, what have you guys learned? I mean, as you've scaled, what have been the hardest lessons? I I think that's something that often in entrepreneurship, 
we spend so much time talking about ideas, which is natural because it's where a lot of people are. But one of the things I've learned as our businesses have grown is there's a lot of a lot of lessons and challenges that are past that kind of initial phase that we spend most time in entrepreneurial world talking about. Uh, and so I feel like there's not as much time spent helping people understand, okay, now you have something that works. Now you have an idea that is making money. What are some of those hard lessons you've had to learn since that point? Well, you know, when you go into a business, you think here's what's going to happen. You know, our, we thought our hardest problem would be finding qualified drivers. And drivers actually prefer driving for us versus uh, Uber Eats or DoorDash or any of those businesses because people are nasty in the back of your car sometimes and getting somebody their pizza on time is stressful. So they don't have to worry about that. Yeah. We're not 10 minutes delivery, we're, we're same day. But the hardest time we had is convincing somebody who's been doing it the same way that if you don't adapt, you're going you're, you're gonna to go out of business and you should try something new. And to get them to try something new is our, our continues to be the biggest hurdle of any sales team of any business that you have, you know, uh, and, and then when they finally do do it, it's as if, you, you know, they hear the symphony and, and, and everything comes, the sun, sun shines beautifully and birds are singing. Uh, <laughs> that, but that's the moment, you know, the, the, the inflection yeah. point is when you get somebody to change and then they get it. Uh, we had some florists who were going to go out of business. They couldn't find drivers, and even on their busiest days, they have like six home run days a year: Mother's Day, uh, uh, Valentine's Day, Easter, um, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Yeah. They can't find drivers, so they have to turn away business. And now everybody that we have in our network, we tell them take as many orders as you can. So we've doubled the business to some of our, our small businesses, and they they can't thank us enough. And the one part about our model which stands out is we don't take a piece of the sale like Uber Eats and DoorDash uh, and Amazon. We're not your business partner. There's a very low monthly platform fee and we make money on volume delivery, uh, you know, a nickel at a time basically. And then once we, we provide the service, we plan on providing other services. We could end up doing credit card processing or advertising or any other uh, payroll. We have a partnership with actually a payroll company where you get discounted services by working through us. We want to be the everything store for the small business. And when you gain their trust, they're ready to, to do other things. And that's the hardest part. And that is the only hard part we have in our business. And that's what we're working to figure out every day. It's always, yeah, I love that lesson. I think that's, uh, it rings true for me. Usually we're bad at predicting what's going to be the hardest part. We always yeah, think it's yeah. something else. Yeah, you know, everybody, Mike Tyson says the best. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Yep. <laughs> That's who's behind me. I don't know if you can see it, but I have a Mike Tyson no, painting. Mike right high. behind you. I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we have that painting in this room. It's to remind oh. us uh, we all have plans going in and they're going to change fast. No, don't let them bite your ear off. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. What I mean, as you've, as you've built this and grown, what are some of those other things that have, have just been like the, surprising lessons. I think that's one of the things that's really fun as an entrepreneur is you go through these tough experiences and you're just like, I never would have thought that. That's so surprising. That's so, you know, unique. I didn't know that that would be a challenge. I didn't know that'd be an opportunity. What are some of those things you've seen as you guys have built this company? One of my favorite things uh, is we have our merchant partners now working together. For example, we have a, um, 
a cold uh, pressed coffee company called Sail Away, and then a really, really good artery-clogging donut store called Nofodoka, which is uh, from the North Fork of uh, Long Island. And they partner together, and they do deliveries together. So you get coffee and donuts, and they do 50, 60, 100 deliveries sometimes, uh, and people buy a subscription. And to see our merchants work together to increase their business, to drive down their costs because they pay less for delivery if they're sharing the delivery costs, uh, we have several partners like that who work together. We want, we want to drive business to small businesses so they can work together, not take the money out of the community. And that's the most exciting yeah. and refreshing thing that we've discovered by accident since we started. Yeah. That's, I love that. Uh, as you're, as you're doing this, as you're going through this experience, uh, what, uh, and it's something I love asking entrepreneurs, what would you do tomorrow if, uh, you sold the business? What's, what would be like the thing that would be like, do you start another one? I mean, you've had, you've jumped from politics. I also want to ask you some question about restaurants. Cause I think that's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Uh, but what would you do next? Like, what would be the thing you would jump to? I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm helping my son with a startup. He, it's in the family's blood uh, called Happy Habitats. <laughs> it's a, a small pet toy. But, I, you know, I do have a plan, actually. Uh, I'm an unpaid advisor to Eric Adams for government efficiency in New York City. He's the mayor. Uh, and I love uh, finding ways to run government more efficiently so they have more money for people who need it. Uh, but I have a fantasy, and I have never really said this out loud, and I'm going to share it with you because you're not going to tell anybody. Love it. But I want I'm a sports junkie. I, I mean, I love, I could, I could get off the side of the road in the middle of Indiana and watch like a middle school soccer game and be happy. And I've always wanted to create a sport. And I think it would be amazing uh, if I can create a Long Beach, California to Long Beach, Long Island, Tour de France style, Tour to the USA bike race, where uh, part of the money goes to charity, but you have the world's best bikers literally go across the country and it becomes an annual thing. And creating that from scratch will be my 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 final swan song before uh, I I go to Florida with everybody else from New York and just uh, eat <laughs> dinner at four o'clock and call it a night. <laughs> I love that's it. A thing, right? I love it. I don't it. know if you know Utah, but that's the oh, dream. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, anytime we go to Miami, you find a lot of people, a lot of New Yorkers. That's. That, I yeah. love that. So, uh, are are you a big cyclist? Is that is that part of it, or uh, is like it just works? Every time I go to a new city, I travel a fair amount. I like to rent a bike. It's the quickest and easiest way to see uh, yeah. a commitment. I'm not like a competitive cycle. You know, I'm one of those guys on Sunday morning who wear wear the the tight knit uh, Italian racing outfits. That's not me, <laughs> uh, not at all. But I do enjoy. Yeah. The exercise. Uh, I love the idea. When I was in government, I tried to create an Ironman um, on Long Island, uh, and they just didn't want to do it. And it's you know it brings revenue. It's a it's a you bring wealthy people who want to run triathlons to your community to spend money on hotels and and eat yeah. dinner, and, and uh, they blocked it. And and I guess that was the impetus for me. You're dreaming bigger. One thing that I that I, I'll share with you that I, I've always dreamed if you know when you shoot a gun not that i'm a, a gun enthusiast but when you shoot a gun if you aim high the shot goes high if you aim low it's just going to go into the ground and if you don't dream big and take a chance you're going to look back in your life when you're 80 years old and you know you're, you're you know maybe have five ten years at best left and you're going to regret not taking the shot uh uh one thing about yeah. being an entrepreneur is, is you're going to fail 
I mean, any entrepreneur that doesn't have a failure or make a mistake or only succeeds is a liar. Um, but, but part of the joy of it is learning and, and meeting people and, and creating things and having experiences. And that's one of the things that really gets me up in the morning is who am I going to meet today and what am I going to do differently? It's, it's every day is different. And if I had to sit at a desk and, and push a button on a keypad for 30 straight years, I would just rather not be alive. And, and for me, this is, yeah. this is what makes me happy. Uh, uh, no, I couldn't agree more. I love that. And uh, I, I had a business that went under and had family and friends who were kind of like, so you're done, right? Like you, you nope, got this nope. out of your system. And I was like, are you kidding? So I, just, I just learned all these lessons. Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 it's, it's, there's nothing better than creating something that works and seeing that there's a need and having people appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I love the restaurant business because you feed people and they walk away happy. It's just not a very, in New York, it's an extremely competitive business. The, oh, yeah. the, the, the landlord's your business partner. It's very hard to make money, but there's something very satisfying about giving somebody a good meal. Um, yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed that business, but it just wasn't, if I had to feed my family off of that business, it would be very difficult. Yeah, that's tough. What are the things, though, that you learned? I, I have gotten into a lot of different things. And, and one of the things I love is getting into an industry, learning the jargon, learning the ins and outs. Uh, I own a marketing agency where I've learned a lot more about the film world and the movie making world, uh, wow. advertising world. And I love that stuff. I love learning about industries that are just completely different. And then I am sure you have pulled experiences from that restaurant, uh, restaurant experiences and applied them to Trellis. But what were some of the things that you learned during that time? Because, I mean, you guys reached a high pinnacle, but it also sounds like it was very difficult. I actually own three restaurants, uh, two with one partner and the other one I was uh, a silent partner in. Um, but, but the most important thing in a restaurant, I have a quick funny story to tell you, uh, and then I'll tell you why okay. I learned this. My partner is, was this pretty well-known chef, um, um, and, and uh, he wanted to be a two-star Michelin chef, which is unbelievably difficult. And one of the prerequisites yeah. to be a two-star Michelin chef was you had to have four scallops in an entree versus three, because that's what's expected if you're going to give them you know, the quality meal that they want. And, and I was telling my partner, whose name was George, I said, George, if we put four scallops on the plate, we're going to lose money. And every dish we sell, and he said, we'll make it up in volume. And I said, no, 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 George, we'll lose more money quicker. And he didn't <laughs> quite get that. So the, the number one thing I learned in the restaurant business is it's sometimes tough to raise prices, but to lower your expenses is the same exact thing. And he was buying flesh, fresh flowers every single day. Uh, it was costing us about 30 grand a year in fresh flowers, as opposed to uh, having somebody in the restaurant, uh, uh, one of the staff, give them 100 bucks a week, let them make arrangements. They'll take ownership of it. It'll be just as nice. Nobody's going to your restaurant because of your fresh flowers. They're going there because you're great food. And, you know, we were able to cut costs like two grand a month dramatically. And there's a whole host of ways you can do that. And if you can bring your expenses down, uh, your food costs are what they are. Your rent is what it is. But if somehow you can bring your, your variable expenses down, you can run a profitable restaurant. And that was the best lesson I learned. I love that. Uh, I, well, that's, and that ties to a, one of my least favorite questions is, have you ever done this before? Or, you know, you've never done this type of a business and it's, 
as you, I feel like as you do more and more entrepreneurial things, you know, the restaurant world and the movie making world and the software world are not as different as a lot of people think. I mean, a lot of those core principles, I mean, that, that core principle that you just shared as I work with e-com companies is almost always why they're struggling. They don't understand their costs. They're different than they think. They're losing money because they're not paying attention. Uh, it's those same core business lessons every time. I agree. You know, it's so funny you said because I'm actually an investor in a movie coming out next month called The Desert House. It's a low-budget uh, horror movie, so look for it on Netflix or something sometime okay. soon. Uh, but no, uh, you know, running a business, the basic principles are, are very much the same. Uh, you, you really just want to find a problem and solve it. And what ends up happening, you can tell this to any entrepreneur who's listening, is your original model is not going to be the model you end up going to market with. It's going to morph or change or you'll find some way to do it slightly better. It, you have to be flexible or you're going to go out of business and you have to pivot. And in every business I've ever been part of, that's been part of what we've done. Yeah, it's always, always learning, always changing, always adapting. Never stops. Never stops. It's like a shark. You don't stop swimming. You keep moving all yeah. the time. Yeah, you're only dead when you run out of money. That's the, <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> no, you're only dead when you run out of other people's money. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, well, as as we kind of time has flown, we're always shooting for twenty minutes, and we always blow way past it because uh, it's too much fun talking. Um, what are some of the things uh, that you would share for someone who comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to start my own business. Uh, I, I I've been dreaming of this." Uh, what's kind of that motivational speech you give someone? I think you've already given some great stuff around uh, uh, realizing that you don't want to sit in front of a keyboard but what's that motivational pitch you would give someone who's who's like help me motivate myself well yeah i'm I'm not gonna give you all sunshine and lollipops i'm basically gonna tell you the truth it's gonna take longer yeah. and cost more than you expect however it's liberating uh what you make uh or how you grow is up to you no one's gonna tell it no one's gonna determine your fate you don't have a boss telling you no uh how hard you work and how successful you are is completely up to you. And that is freedom at its highest level. And that's why being an entrepreneur, even if you fail, uh, you could always get a job. You know, there's, there's, there's a surplus of, of jobs. You could always get a job to make rent, but you can't get a, start a business every day of the week that will, will make you feel alive and make you feel like you created something. There's, there's a unique brotherhood and sisterhood of, of people who've been entrepreneurs who know what it feels like. And once you get that, and it's almost like a drug, you don't want to go back. I mean, you don't really find many people who are entrepreneurs and then go get a paying job. It's usually the other way around. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, that gave me, uh, gave me chills thinking about it because it's true. You, you ha develop relationships with people who I feel like are my family. I mean, they're, they're, your, they're your brothers and sisters because you've been through hell and worth together and no one can yeah, break well, that bond one thing i try and do is net is be a net giver of time money energy love that's that's the key for me because if you take yeah. no one's gonna want to take your call or 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 even if you you know i'll do this if you do that if you're a net giver and help people um things come back to you and one thing i try and do is every six months or so i'll go through my phone and people who I haven't spoken to for any reason, uh, whether they're from a past job, from school, uh, uh, or former, you know, former 
political people that I know, I'll just check and say, hey, I wanted to say hello. And that just starts conversations that you never know where they lead. And that's some of the ways that you may find that person that you need for your business or maybe able to introduce them to somebody they need to help their business grow. And it's, it's fun. And that if you take some time, yeah. you know, 20 minutes a week, you know, think about that. One person a week, 52 times a year, you're going to connect with a lot of people. It's amazing how often, too, those uh, those people are like, oh, I know exactly who you need to talk to. Yeah. You need to talk to this guy. <laughs> Why don't you call me? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not uh, clairvoyant. <laughs> I am calling you. Uh, that I have, I've heard that yeah. a lot. That's very funny. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I was also going to say that I think, I think, like you said, every great entrepreneur that I've ever met has had failures. And I think that one of the reasons is you get to that point and you're like, oh, this is as bad as it gets. Uh, it's not that bad. Uh, you know, there's always like, I didn't lose my house and my kids and my wife are healthy and happy. And so, yeah, that's not that bad. I can, I can take another swing. If that's as bad as this kind of gets, let's go for another round. Well, look at it this way. If, if college costs you, if you go to, uh, you went to Brigham Young, if I remember, if I remember from your bio, yeah. let's say you went to private yep. university, let's say that's 50 grand a year, four years is 200 grand. And then you get a master's. Uh, and you go to a decent business school, that's another 75 grand a year. So you're now, you, now you're up to uh, another 50, it's 350. And then you get a doctorate, that's another 50 or 100 grand. So you're in the, for like 400 grand before you even, you know, go out into the workforce. Well, when you, when you open a business and it fails, you get your, your undergraduate, your master's, and your doctorate. It's the same thing. You have the same education. Yeah. So you have to look yeah. at it that way. School of hard knocks. Uh, it's a school so of true. Hard yeah, but you're a doctor. You're a doctor of hard knocks. Yeah. Well, you're Dr. Yeah. J, and I feel very comfortable doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely true. I think everyone who's been through it, you learn so much from those hard, from those hard lessons. It just it sticks with you for years. Yeah. I, I, I know you, what's going through. I don't know what's going through your mind, but I know you've had a specific thought when I brought that up. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think every entrepreneur too, I mean, even things that, you know, things that struggle, we had a business that ended up not working because it was growing too fast. Uh, it was just growing so fast and we just couldn't raise money quick enough to keep up with the growth. And yeah. I still, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, that's one of the things we missed. Or, yeah. oh, we you took we, this money six yeah. months before you need it because it never comes yeah. as quick as you think it is. And those lessons just, it's not like it's a, uh, it's not a black and white start end date of, oh, that business went, you know, didn't succeed. And I learned all the lessons. I'm still pulling lessons from it 10 years later uh, from that, from that failure. So it's, it's amazing. I love, I love that. Well, may, maybe you should start a podcast and share those things with people. So maybe they'll <laughs> learn. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Well, yeah. uh, as we wrap up, Adam, give give people uh, some call to action, something you like to do. You mentioned the movie, uh, so so people should should keep an eye out for that. Uh, yeah, what was the cool. name of the movie again? The Desert House. It'll hopefully be uh, out in late March. Uh, it is the lowest of low budget movies, but those are the best. Um, uh, but my business is Trellis. It, the website is b y t r e l l u s dot com. Love it. Uh, every community needs something like this. There's nobody else doing it. Uh, and if anybody in any part of the country has 300 businesses that want to sign up at once, I'll fly out and we'll open up a trellis in your neighborhood. So let me know. 
Okay. Love it. We'll, we'll have everyone do that and go check out the website and start talking to local business owners. Even as you were mentioning it now, I'm like, we need, we need that here in Utah. Uh, there's you so many great, great local businesses. Yeah. So yeah. if there's a chamber of commerce and they're all on board, all it takes is one driven person to make it happen. Uh, it's the again, the hardest part uh, of any business is acquiring customers. And then once you have happy customers, they tell other people. So share, yeah. share the love. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll keep chatting. We'll let everybody, uh, or let the audience, uh, end here and we'll, we'll talk about some Utah stuff. So thanks again for coming on and really appreciate it. I appreciate your time, Jay. It was, it was fun talking to you. Thanks, Adam. Right, bye-bye.